A while back, I sat across from a beloved friend in a busy coffee shop. It was one of those times when you're really glad for all the hustle and bustle around you and that no one can really hear you because you realize that the conversation has taken a very serious turn. For a year, I had been watching my friend in a relationship that had been difficult to witness from the very beginning. The banter between she and her partner had turned into teasing with a razor edge. Her partner's bizarre behavior became more and more frequent. He sometimes came home drunk or didn't come home at all. Home had become a strange and unpredictable place. But my friend was determined to make it work and to stick it out. They'd known each other for a long time. They had made a commitment to each other and she loved him. She looked into the future and still she saw herself with him. In contrast, I had been thinking, get out, get away from him. I wanted to somehow step inside of her skin and leave him for her. I wanted to get out a megaphone and declare, I know the answer to your problem, leave him. And then she would be safe and then she could grieve and then she would begin again. The whole solution seemed very clear to me. Maybe this sounds familiar. Someone you love is hurting or on the cusp of some change or hasn't woken up to a reality that seems as plain as day to you, and you just wanna jump in there and do it for them. You just wanna shake them by the shoulders and say, hey, I know what you need to do, so just go and do it. However, it just doesn't work like that. Not every time is the right time. We don't have nearly that kind of control over things. Even when we are ready to say something, our loved ones might not be able to hear it. Even when the whole world is sending us a million signals of truth about our own life, we may be deaf to them until a particular moment. Even though we can't wait for the grieving or the pain to just be over, the grief and the pain have their own process that is mostly outside of our control and has no care for our preferences or what would make us more comfortable. I don't mean to imply here that we don't have any agency, we do. What I'm saying is that in life, there are more forces at play than simply our own will that our life takes place in a context of mysterious relationality far beyond our understanding. As we saw in our wisdom story this morning, a seed is going to sprout when a seed is going to sprout. The gardener played her part through offering water and soil and sunlight. However, no matter how much energy the gardener expended, in reading the seed poems and playing it music and singing its songs, the seed still sprouted when it was ready to sprout. We have a religious vocabulary for this kind of time. It comes from the ancient Greeks who were wise enough to have more than one word for time since time is such a multifaceted concept. 
there was Kronos, and there was Kairos. Kronos is the kind of linear, quantitative time that we're all very familiar with. Kronos is the root word for chronology, a list of events ordered by time, or chronic, something that goes on for a very long time. Kronos is the kind of time that is measured by a clock, the kind of time that we're trying to save or we're trying to spend well. I recently saw something clever that framed Kronos well for me. What if the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, were, to were told in terms of Kronos time? For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. 9 o'clock a.m., time to break down. <laughs> 9.30 a.m., time to build up. 10 a.m., time to weep. 10.30 a.m., time to laugh. It doesn't make a lot of sense. That's because the author of Ecclesiastes was not talking about chronos time. The other word for time in Greek is kairos, which refers to time from a more qualitative perspective. This is where the religion piece comes in. Kairos is time that is ripe with potential, that is pregnant with meaning. As a theology professor of mine once said, kairos is chronos ruptured. It's when the inertia of time marching on gets interrupted for something special and transformative. When one brief event changes the whole course of your life, that's kairos. It's not a large quantity of chronos time, but it's a huge movement of kairos time. Kairos is often thought of as God's time, the sacred order and unfolding of things that is far beyond our understanding. In the same vein, kairos is intimately related to the seasons. And in fact, another meaning of kairos in Greek is weather. You plant when it's the right time. You harvest when it's the right time to harvest. This isn't measured by a specific day or time. We don't all plant the seeds for our gardens at 6.23 a.m. on May 30th. We plant when there are signs that tell us it's time to plant. We plant when the seasons tell us it's time. It's not just whenever we choose, otherwise the plant wouldn't grow. And after the planting, there are natural processes that take place and you do what you can to nurture the plant and hopefully you'll end up seeing the signs that it's time to harvest. The Kairos concept is what's going on in this passage from Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow. Going back to that night in the coffee shop with my friend, it turned out to be a Kairos time. I could feel something shifting as we were talking 
She had been unsure for a long time, but that evening she started to know that it was time to leave. We made a plan to get for her to gather her things and come stay at my place for a while. We didn't know ultimately what would happen. Making this choice was sad and frightening, but it was also clear that the time had come for the next big step. This encounter stands out to me as a rare experience of seeing how after months of showing up for my friend, listening to her, loving her, and trying to avoid forcing my opinions on her, that the next right step made itself known to her. And so often there is no perfect time, no uncomplicated, painless time to take a leap. Sometimes the right time is just the best time available, but it's awfully messy and hard. And the truth is, I've had many more experiences of pushing my agenda too quickly, with haste and impatience, and as a result, being selfish, arrogant, and even destructive. Part of our work as a people of faith is to untether ourselves from the tick, tick, tick of Kronos and to set aside our ego and cultivate the patience and presence required to awaken to the movements of Kairos. This is not about a more effective route to getting what we want. This practice of turning ourselves towards Kairos is about love and respect for ourselves and for others, honoring the limits of our control, and it's about reverence for life's great mystery and profound interconnection. Nikos Kazantzakis shares this story in his novel, Zorba the Greek. One morning, I discovered a cocoon in the bark of a tree just as the butterfly was making a hole in the case, preparing to come out. I waited a while, but it was too long in appearing, and I was impatient. I bent over it and breathed on it to warm it. I warmed it as quickly as I could, and the miracle began happening before my eyes, faster than life. The case opened the butterfly started slowly crawling out. And I shall never forget my horror as I saw how its wings were folded back and crumpled. The wretched butterfly tried with its whole body to unfold them. Bending over it, I tried to help it with my breath in vain. It needed to be hatched out patiently and the unfolding wings should be a gradual process in the sun. Now it was too late. My breath had forced the butterfly to appear all crumpled before its time. It struggled desperately and a few seconds later died in the palm of my hand. I realized today that it is a mortal sin to violate the great laws of nature. We should not hurry, we should not be impatient, but we should confidently obey the eternal rhythm. 
So often our impulse to blow on the cocoon, to desperately sing songs to seeds, that's what we've got. Putting this part of ourselves on hold is hard work, but it can make all the difference. In our reading from this morning, the poet Rilke writes, have patience with everything unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves as if they were locked rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday far into the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answer. This passage has always driven me nuts. Have patience with everything unresolved in my heart? Okay, I can try. Try to love the questions themselves? To live the questions? Really? This seems like almost cruel advice. Like Rilke is just reveling and withholding the answers from me. Yet this passage won't let me go. And I think it beca it's because it contains a key to letting the cocoon open on its own. This concept of living the questions now is like nurturing a seed that has been planted. You know that the question is there, but you don't know what fruit it will bear. To have the patience to love and live our questions is an ongoing process. It is a practice of faith, it is soul work, and it is how we grow. By actively living into our questions instead of shackling them down with hasty answers, we acknowledge that we are not the center of the universe. We are not the boss of everything, but instead we are a part of an ever-changing, organic, mysterious process called life, a process that we attempt to control to our own detriment. And maybe it's not time for an answer yet. And maybe it's not about answers, but about the process itself. This is the life of faith. When we live into our questions, when we approach life from a posture of reverence and respect we honor our place in the intricacies of the web of life that is always changing shape. There's no quick and easy way to know when we will reap what we've sown. There's no shortcut to patience, only practice. And when that Kairos moment does come and the time is right for the cocoon to peel back and the butterfly to be born, may we be fully present to witness new life taking flight. May it be so, and amen.